This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by St. James Iced Tea, a new line of organic, flavor-packed iced tea with only 0 to 4 grams of sugar, naturally occurring antioxidants, and a caffeine amount equivalent to only a half a cup of coffee. Discover six flavors, all organic and packaged for minimal environmental impact. Buy now on Amazon and use code TEAPARTY20 for 20% off. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine, and this is episode 106. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. Later on in the podcast, drinks writer Hannah decodes the label on your wine bottle, from what makes a wine vegan or natural to the difference between organic and biodynamic. And I'm also chatting to cookery writer Adam about clever ways to reduce waste when cooking. But first up, here's digital editor and Scandi fan Alex with Swedish chef Nicholas Ekstedt talking about midsummer traditions, the midsummer feast, and why Swedes are always so happy. Hello, it's Alex here, and I'm at Taste London with Nicholas Ekstedt, owner of Michelin-starred restaurant Ekstedt in Stockholm, Sweden. And he's one of the most loved chefs in Scandinavia. <laughs> um, I spoke with Nicholas last year on the podcast about Swedish baking and breakfast. But today I'm here to chat about Midsummer. So Midsummer is celebrated in Sweden um, on a Friday. And this year it falls on the 22nd of June. Um, and it's the longest day of the year when Swedes celebrate the summer solstice. And the sun never actually sets, giving Swedes plenty of time to eat, drink and be merry in the outdoors. So Niklas is the ideal person to chat about this celebration as he is king of open flame and outdoor cooking. And having given up molecular gastronomy when he was in his early 20s to live in a hut in the archipelago of Stockholm. So Niklas, Midsummer's taken as a national holiday in Sweden, isn't it? Yes, it's the biggest holiday of the year. It's uh, something like in between. I I usually, to Americans, I compare it to... um, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. kind of like the family, and it, for British it would probably be equivalent to like a, if you would 
think of that Christmas was in in the middle of the summer. Okay, that would be sounds the, great. <laughs> the whole city dies out. Everyone leaves. The tourists come into Stockholm and wonder like, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> like, where is everyone? Uh, and, uh, and where is everyone? Everyone's at the f uh, family house. Okay, yeah. you go either you go to friends' house or you go to family yeah. house. Yeah, and you so go out into the arc. Do you go out? You to go the out to the islands. You go into the countryside. You visit the family. It's a big yeah. It's a big celebration. So when I was a kid, it was very much a family tradition and when you get older you kind of go to your friend's house okay yeah and what do you actually do on the day <laughs> uh, i mean traditionally it's it's an old uh it's an old holiday it's before christianity was introduced into the scandinavian countries okay so it goes back to the viking time of of, of scandinavia right and then the, when christianity was introduced very late in, mm -hmm. in europe it was the latest part of europe that was uh uh uh, pilgrimed and they had problems getting rid of it so they they just left it there <laughs> okay so it's one of the few holidays that has doesn't have anything to do with christianity or the bible or jesus okay so it's basically fertilizing the soil mm -hmm. uh so you have the midsummer pole yes yeah, it's like our maypole we yes have, it's actually a around. big penis <laughs> Uh, and it's supposed to represent the penis fertilizing Didn't the soil going into the next year. So basically, so uh, you're all dancing around a giant penis. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And uh, then you got the flowers, and the flowers yes. are really important as well. It's the flower celebration. Yes. And uh, so the... Um, uh, the unmarried women, they're supposed to pick seven flowers during the day, okay. put them in the hair, and then during night, they're supposed to put them under the pillow and they're, they're, they're going to have a dream about their future husband to ah. see who their future husband is. And why seven yeah. flowers? I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll leave that at that then. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think no one knows either. I mean, all these things are just like sagas or myths and, and celebrations. So I think, but it, it, it's a beautiful night. And of course, it's very seasonal food-wise as well. So it's, so it's a big food thing. Yeah, Massive. so um, when it comes to the Midsummer Feast, what are the traditional dishes that you uh, cook? Uh, nowadays, it's uh, herring. Herring, uh, okay. It's a big thing. We, I mean, we eat herring all year round. Yeah, I, I've for just Christmas been... and for for everything. But uh, but of course, it's like modern. I mean, we're very kind of like contemporary country, and so mm -hmm. you can basically eat anything for for midsummer. But something that's becoming bigger and bigger is actually just grilling. Okay. Yeah, which so most, is perfect for you yeah and new potatoes or fresh potatoes right yeah yes yeah, so I, I i saw when i was looking up like the different dishes that you mm. serve potatoes have quite a hero role yeah how come why is that is it's it just because of the yeah but yeah. it's like our new potatoes, yes. so we have our Jersey Royals. Exactly. Yeah. And um, where are they? Are they grown all across Sweden? Yeah, they're grown all across Sweden, but mostly in Skåne, in the southern part oh, of yes. Sweden. Oh, yes, we yeah. like Skåne. And um, yeah, some of them are greenhouse grown and some of them are, depending on the weather, of course. Okay. And how do you serve them? Uh, it's just very similar to how you cook new potatoes here. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just slightly, lightly cooked and then with some butter and dill. And. Uh, then we eat some pickled herring, gravad lax. Oh, yes, as a gravad lax. So most people eat that as a starter, like some new potatoes, herring, uh, gravad lax. Mm -hmm. And then you eat like a grilled meat or grilled fish okay. as a main course. And so then no meatballs, that's more wintry, no, isn't it? No meatballs, no minced meat for midsummer. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, strawberries. Strawberries is like, I would say, new potatoes, strawberries are the two most okay. important elements. Quite similar to, to England then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there are actually, I mean, if you look going back 
in history, I don't think those were, would have been the things that they would have eaten. I think they're fairly new. Okay. Because I, I know that new potatoes were introduced in the 1920s, 30s. So you think of midsummer, the food as a very old traditional food things, mm -hmm. but they're actually kind of like a modern interpretation of an old tradition. Okay. And um, I, so the most famous um, dessert, I think, is called, right, let's see if I can pronounce this, Jodgubstadta. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a <laughs> strawberry tart. Is that, how yeah. do you pronounce it? Jodgubstorta. Okay. Yeah, torta really? is a tart and jodgubar is strawberries. Okay. Yeah. And that's just, um, do you just use strawberries or is there anything else? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean every, I mean, usually you bring, so it's kind of like, it's, it's, you know, everyone brings something with them okay. for the party. So someone brings the strawberry cake, some, some people bring, bring the drinks, some people bring the herring, so. Okay. And then everyone gathers around, like, Nice, yeah. that sounds great. And um, yeah. uh, speaking of the drinks. Yeah, um, it's very much a drinking, yes. because it's always on a Friday. Okay. Uh, so you I, have, I don't really you have know the, why. You have the Friday, you have the next day off, don't yes. you? Yeah, but it's a Saturday anyway. Right. But yeah, the back <laughs> in the days, it used to be, uh, uh, when people used to work on Saturday, they used to take the Saturday off as well. But most people take the Friday off and the Thursday off as well. It's the biggest kind of like long weekend in, yeah. of the year. And do you yeah. sing Helangor? Yes. You <laughs> sing songs and drink. Bad. Yeah. So it's a drinking, singing, eating okay. night. Okay. And you have sna snaps Yeah, then. snaps. Yeah. Flavored vodka. But uh, kids and the young generation of Sweden don't drink as much as the older generation. So you can really... So it's, you it's mean as in like the you know 18, 19 year olds? No, or? I mean even like 20, 30, okay. and the tw people that are in the 20s and 30s. So it's so it's much of a, a generation thing. Well, so how come that is? Uh, I think snaps and vodka is like it's part of my parents' generation, okay, and the new generation is more like wine and beer. Yeah, because yeah. Skona has um, some really nice wines, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, it has that yeah, new wine generation, the organic wines, natural wines, all that kind of like or like quality beer and mm. draw and, and handcrafted beers and all that. So, yeah. that. so the new generation is more of like, it's a different type yeah. of drinkers. Yeah. Uh, my parents' <laughs> generation would rather drink like cheap beer <laughs> okay. and uh, strong vodka or flavored vodka and bitter bitters and bitter vodka mm -hmm. and, and all these th types of different snaps. Well, the new generation drink maybe one or two, but it's not the main beverage. Kind of like. Yeah, I recently went, well, a couple of weeks ago, weekends ago, I went to Gothenburg and yeah. then drove up west, the West Swedish coast, which yeah. was absolutely amazing yeah, in Orest yeah. and everywhere. Yeah. And um, I'm actually going to do an article about that online so everyone yes, should check that out but yeah it was absolutely amazing also the amount of craft beers in Gothenburg mm. was incredible yeah, there's so many yeah. microbreweries yeah, too, too many yeah. I can't keep up anymore I really like Omnipolis yeah um they've come over from Stockholm yeah. to Gothenburg yeah. so yeah that's a really great brewery to check mm. out so it sounds like the Swedes are on something good and know mm. how to celebrate and be happy and yeah my cousin moved to Stockholm just before Brexit happened and on that <laughs> dreadful day of the result um he put on his Instagram a photo of hundreds of people dancing in a field around a pole and the caption was meanwhile in Sweden <laughs> and I was like damn you yeah. um, and it certainly made me want to move there yeah. um, but you're publishing a book called Happy Food yes. aren't you that comes yeah. out in the UK on the yeah. 23rd of August yeah. and that's basically to help teach people how eating can lift your mood and bring joy so that seems very apt for the um and fitting for the for the midsummer festivals yeah can you exactly quickly yeah. tell us your top three tips of how eating can make us happy uh, i mean <laughs> eat a broad variety of food you know the, the the problem is if you go if you if you have food in just one way <laughs> you end up miserable 
Right, yes. <laughs> so just broaden your spectrum and then like when you go shopping, you know, add a lot of color to your basket. Yeah. And also the same thing, you know, when you're shopping, try to buy as many different things as possible. The, I mean, the, the modern kind of Western diet has turned into this very kind of like people know like three, four recipes and they stick with them. Yeah, true. Yeah, very so we true. need to to broaden that and then always eat vegetables with your food. Yeah. You can eat meat, you can eat fish, you can eat whatever you want, but as long as you bring a lot of vegetables into your to your meal. Okay. And eat more fermented things to yes. gut, get your gut bacteria going. Okay. So try not to eat like pasteurized uh, things, try to eat things with with funky things. Yeah. Funky food. Funky food. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we've actually got a guide to fermenting um, on the website on olivemagazine.com yeah. so everyone can try and make that own but there's a, there's a huge movement at the moment um, for fermenting and pickling. And like Scully, for example, one of the uh, new restaurants in London, they've got a whole um, wall of shelves and it's just got like dozens and dozens of jars with all mm. different colours of pickling, funky yeah. foods. And it's so, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and it really happens. There's something going on when you eat it. So Yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, thanks for that. And um, I think you're now going to do two lunches, aren't you, at Taste of London? So I am. I'll I leave am. you to get on with that. Yeah, it's been a busy week. <laughs> yeah. Busy week in London, but Very I'm loving busy. it. And it looks like the weather is clearing up as yeah, well. Yeah, so hopefully. We're have a, a, it's currently a great raining. Day. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having well, me. Well, yeah, well, yeah, glad, I, glad of midsummer. Yeah, and thank happy you. Happy eating. Thank you. I love your magazine as well. It's oh, really nice. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Hello, this is Laura here, the editor of Olive, and I'm here with Hannah, our lovely sub-editor who compiles our drinks pages. Um, Hannah, we had a really interesting wine column in our new issue, which is out for June, um, and it was about what's in our wine bottles, mm -hmm. which, which sounds like a stupid thing because they're labelled. They tell us the grape, the terroir, the winemaker, the vintage. Mm -hmm. So we know what's in the wine bottle, right? Well... It turns out we don't always know. And uh, depending whether you're a vegan or a vegetarian or you care about eating organically or biodynamically, um, sometimes it pays to kind of read your wine label. And sometimes even then... Um, it's, you're not, you, can, you can't always be sure what you're drinking. Yeah, it's very different to... So reading the column by Kate, who's our wine writer, mm. was super informative for me because when it comes to food labelling... Now, I'm not one of those people who looks at calories and all that sort of nonsense, mm. but you can look at a, a food label and if it's processed or whatever, you can see, right, it's got this additive in, it's got this nasty in, it's got this process. Yeah. And it tells you exactly what's in there. And on the front, you have even the traffic light system nowadays with the, you know, red... Um, amber and green mm -hmm. of what's good and what's bad but with the wine labels Kate was telling us is that they don't list any additives that are added so you know you think it's just grapes in there but yeah it, but it's not it's actually not um so you know as you said you can read a food label and you can make a reasonably informed choice mm. about you know what you want to buy what you want to eat um not the case with wine labels um it's quite shocking actually isn't yeah it? definitely um I think the law requires um, only sulfur dioxide to be uh, listed on a wine label, and sulfur dioxide uh, is used in all wines to make 
to stop things, like, to help with things like it's. I think it's a natural product of the fermentation process. Mm. Um, that's the only thing that you're meant to label. But there's a but the EU permits like something like 50 other additives. Which is quite scary. You can be <laughs> added in them anything from oak chips to sweeteners mm. to enzymes. And I'm sure some of them have a place and they're perfectly Definitely. fine. Well, and we're not saying that they're all nasty, but no. But it's just it's interesting that you don't know what necessarily is in your wine. And I think sulfites get a bit of a bad press mm -hmm. of that they give you this massive. You know, they say, oh, it's got no. This wine's got no sulfites and so you'll not get a hangover which isn't necessarily true is it and then they shouldn't be seen as this bad thing no i mean kate gave it quite an interesting stat didn't she on the amount of people who actually have an allergy to that additive yeah she said fewer than one percent yeah so don't use that um excuse anymore for your hangover it, it might be the case but it might be it might be that you had things. four glasses of wine <laughs> yes. yeah exactly and i think she actually said that there might be other you know the other additives might be a more likely culprit mm. particularly when it comes to mass-produced wines so yeah. some of the additives i mentioned before um you know things like colorants and sweeteners, sweeteners. Was a surprising one for me mm. um and a shame and you, it kind of figures you can perhaps taste that in certain wines you know if you're like oh this doesn't tastes quite right or mm -hmm. it's cloying or whatever you know there might be a little culprit hiding behind the wine label um so what do we do if we don't want to have all these things lurking not necessarily bad things but things that we don't know about in the yeah. wine label. or at least if you just want to know a bit more about, yeah. about what you're buying well um one very easy solution is to head to um co-op food okay um it's um it was the first supermarket to list all ingredients on its wine labels, which it has actually been doing since 1999. They're so, so progressive. Yeah. They, a great. Mm. I am a big fan, you know, Definitely. from their uh, fair trade chocolate, um, things like that. I just think they they think, and I like that kind of consciousness that they have. Yeah, and they've, um, been, do and they've been thinking like that for a long time as well. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's a great place to start. Um, it also recently launched um, 100 new uh, vegan wines. Yeah, because the other thing is, I, I'm sure vegans are well aware that lots of wines aren't vegan, but for, you know, Joe Public, I, I didn't know until recently that, that wine contained this kind of, um, is it a fish bladder? Or there's other, there's yeah, certain so, filtration processes. Yeah, to, uh, I think it's called fining, um, mm -hmm. and it's the same for things like beer, but most wine producers will use things like egg whites or fish bladders, yeah. fish swim bladders, I yes. think. That's there's, a correct, there's a difference, yeah. Yeah, apparently, um, to basically uh, filter out um, mm. some of the, you know, bits and bobs, like um, things like uh, sediment. Yeah, or, it's just um, make it a, a more refined, yeah. clear, pure wine. So that's why sometimes when you have the, what we're going to on to talk about now with the natural wines or biodynamics, mm. they're slightly cloudy. Yeah. And that can be because they're not filtered. Yes, and um, any wine that's labelled unfiltered um, should also be vegan yeah um but if they are filtered and they are also labeled a vegan or vegetarian and they should be labeled mm. on the wine bottle if they are yeah um i think they use things like plant proteins to filter okay. it out so so there are there is there technology are. and alternatives if definitely which is good for those that, mm. that care about those things fantastic okay so cot food big massive tick there yeah. what else um so something else to be aware of is off i'm um, Everyone would have seen bottles of wine which are labelled as being organic yeah. or biodynamic. Um, Very trendy buzzwords. At the definitely. Um, difference between organic and biodynamic, it's a little bit hazy, but um, generally both organic and biodynamic wines um, are grown without the use of things like artificial uh, pesticides, mm -hmm. less additives added to the wine. Okay. But generally with, bi with biodynamic wines, it can get a little... Uh, it's all to do with the moon, isn't it? Yes. I feel like there are, I, there are some mentions of lunar cycles, yeah. but, but generally the idea is, is that 
the grower will treat the whole vineyard as mm. like an ecosystem. Yeah, so it's so in tune with nature, isn't it? Right? Yeah, I mean, it's still like a good concept, even yeah. though some of the ideas are, are um, potentially less scientific. Yeah, I think others. my understanding of it, which is probably not a very good one, but it's just that they are going back to kind of really ancient principles of how mm. to create wine. So, you know, they've gone full cycle, gone through all the technology and the efficient farming and all those sorts of things mm -hmm. and artificial help through... Um, fertilizers and pesticides and all those sorts of things and literally going right back to the land and the moon and the sun and working out how all of those things produce a great a great grape and a great wine mm -hmm. um which is no bad thing there's definitely they're definitely a certain type of wine um and they taste very different yes but i really enjoy them and there's no bad thing to me if they're kind of natural Yes, well, natural wine. So that's, again, yes. a very trendy buzzword at the yeah. moment. Um, if you haven't really heard of the term, um, Laura kind of sort of covered it just now, but uh, essentially they're called low intervention wines as yes. well. So, again, bringing wine back to how it used to be made. So not adding lots of extra additives, mm. not adding processes to make it, make it taste different. Mm. Uh, the idea that it's usually fermented with whatever yeasts are in the wine. Mm. Sometimes wines, are, there's a term called spontaneous fermentation, right. where... Um, it's kind of just left to do its thing. As nature intended. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and as Laura said, natural wines do taste uh, quite different yeah. to what you'd expect. Um, it can be a bit of a shock if you, if you haven't had it before. Um, generally, a good natural wine will taste quite fresh, yeah. quite wild. Um, there is a, a bit of funk to it, doesn't there's it? There's a bit of a funk to it, uh, which when it's good is great, mm. but when it's bad, it can taste uh, quite... There's a term called mousy, so it's Ooh, quite sort of... I, I get that. Uh, yeah. You can probably guess <laughs> how it would taste, a bit of a barnyard. So that's... Yeah. I mean, it's quite tricky to produce, produce natural wine, because, mm. which is why you don't usually find it in supermarkets, because yeah. it's hard to get hold of large quantities, yeah. um, mainly because the process is more unpredictable yeah. and more things, so obviously it, can't it, do it, it on it's harder scale. to kind of maintain. Yeah. Um, so, but if you do like... Um, We'll go through some... We've got some recommendations uh, for you now, but generally check out small independent wine shops yeah. um, and um, places like Sage on Wild uh, in Hackney, mm. which, is a, which is a really great wine bar, which specialises in all sorts, but you were able to find some nice... Yeah, we've actually there. got... Like, we're obviously just touching the surface of a massive mm. subject here, mm -hmm. but if you have a look on olivemagazine.com, Kate Hawkins, our wine writer, who's absolutely fantastic, mm. she's got loads of different columns um, from previous months in the magazine that we've uploaded online that go into more detail about, like, yeah. what a natural wine is, you know, all these sorts of things, so you can find out a bit more about it. Um, and she'll just go into a lot more detail and obviously give her recommendations as well. And talking of great wine bars because I think that's the other thing that this column really touches on is it's it's about having conversations it's not necessarily just going that's a pretty label which trust me we've all done mm. but not just going that's a pretty label I'll have that or just going for the same wine that you go for every week because it's on offer or whatever which is totally cool but it's having a conversation it's going into a wine shop it's going into a wine bar and saying talk to me about this wine tell me what's in it tell me who grew it tell me what it tastes like mm. um and We've got a big feature online as well of some really cool wine bars across the country mm -hmm. um, that you can do that in and actually have a great plate of food too. So just a little plug for those because I think they're really useful features Definitely. online. But anyway, let's get back to this. And so we're talking about wines that tell us tell us what we need to know and they're lemon delicious as yes. well. We've got of some course, recommendations. It's always the most important thing. Yes. So Kate's made a few recommendations. Um, the first one is Majestic's first natural wine. That's um, great news. And quite natural, a lot of natural wines can be 
um, on the slightly pricier side. Yeah. Um, but actually, again, because they're smaller batch, they're smaller, batch, smaller makers. Definitely. Um, um, but this is actually not too bad. It's eleven ninety nine, um, which so is. Decent price. Yeah, definitely in the affordable range. Yeah. Um, it's called Le Naturel, and it's a Grenache-based blend that is very fresh and fruity with no added sulfites, and it's also suitable for vegans. Great. Um, unusually for a red, it's actually um, it's uh, served slightly chilled. Okay, nice. Um, so perfect then, for this time of year? Yes, perfect. Perfect summer drink. And uh, moving on to very summery uh, wine. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, so... Forgive me. Uh, it's called uh, Les Pionnes Rosé Champagne. Uh, it's twenty one ninety nine from Co-op Food. Which actually um, is getting a bargain for champagne, right? Oh, yeah, really good, I mean, very, very cheap. Good price. Uh, very, like, um, sort of millennial-friendly uh, yes. pink packaging. Yeah. Um, lovely strawberry notes, uh, creamy bubbles, um, and that's also vegan. And then um, the next one we have is from Oddbins. Um, this is nine pounds, and it's Emiliana Natura. How do you say that? Viognier. Viognier. I always look at it. I'm never quite sure how to say it. Um, as long as you know how to drink it, Hannah, that is all that matters. Well, I to myself. <laughs> um, so it's from uh, Chile. Um, it's vegan. Um, Kate recommends um, that you enjoy it with a crab and pumpkin cannelloni. Yeah, so this is the other great thing about Kate's column, if you haven't read it before, is she each wine that she recommends, she always gives a couple of suggestions for the recipes throughout the issue. Mm-hmm. So if you're making anything from the latest issue, have a look and see what she recommends for the wine, because then you can have a Definitely. nicely patched meal. Um, and then the last one she's got here is uh, Domaine des Torelles, which is 1750 from Wine Society. Uh, this is a wine from Lebanon. Um, the again super trendy yeah definitely um, so yeah so the winery um, farms 70 year old vines organically without irrigation ferments with indigenous yeast um, and ages the wine in old concrete tanks mm. um, she reckons this would be um, hit with the broad bean smash with lamb shawarma which is our cover recipe for June um, which is and absolutely a very incredible suitably Middle Eastern choice as well yes it is um, so thank you very much Hannah I think that was a good debrief on Kate's brilliant column um, so yeah that's in the June issue um, of Olive Magazine and it will be online at some point as well but have a look at online at olivemagazine.com for all of her previous wine columns definitely okay right. thank you thank you So I'm here today with cookie writer Adam, and we're talking about the new, the brand spanking new June Mm. issue on shelves now, Um, and you've got a brilliant feature called Waste Not, Want Not, which is unsurprisingly about waste. Yes. How not to waste. How not to waste. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a cooking feature, as in it's recipes, Mm -hmm. and how to use, how to get the best out of everything. Yeah. Um, So where did that, I mean, obviously, June is kind of our eco issue, or no waste issue, so we're really thinking about the processes, how we work in the test kitchen, how we use ingredients. Um, and I think your brief was just to come up with three recipes that used the whole thing, whatever the whole thing is. So, like, talk us through the recipes. Yeah, so um, I sort of approached it from um, two, like, basically two angles. So the first one was, like, utilising the whole ingredients. So, like, I wrote um, uh, the Middle Eastern roast carrot recipe which utilized the uh, the tops as well as the the actual root itself because yeah. um they're perfectly edible most people and if you know you see them at like good supermarkets foot farmers markets mm. and that sort of thing um and most people would just lump them off and then you know use the root as you know mm. you know and that's because they used to get in them in packets without the tops on yeah i mean presumably that is because 
When you go in a supermarket and you see a packet of carrots, it's it, if you, if they left the tops on, they'd probably deteriorate a little bit easier. Yeah, it, it is. It's as simple as that, really. Um, yeah, like a lot of vegetables that have a top like that, like beetroot, mm. have that as well. But if you find the bulbs in the uh, in the roots in the supermarket, they've yeah. pretty much always got them taken off because they will deteriorate at a much faster rate than the, yeah. the actual root itself. Yeah. So they look like they're. Like they might, it would give you the impression that the beetroot is like not mm. fresh, but actually it's the leaves that deteriorate, but actually the root is still perfectly good itself. And really, it's kind of like a, it's a guide to if, if you've got the time and you've got the inclination to do it and you want to seek them out, the, the carrots that you're going to get with the tops on are going to be fresh out of the ground exactly. as well, rather exactly. than from a deep store where yeah. they've been in. Buried you know, in sand for, yeah. for like months on end, potentially. Yeah. Or so, so like if you, you know, if you're interested in pursuing that and thinking about, you know, the way that that where that food's come from then actually that the tops are a lovely indication yeah, that that definitely it'd be like you know lifting at the gills just... of a fish or looking at the eyes if, yeah. if the if the tops are in beautiful condition that means it's not come out of the ground yeah. like you know that long ago and you can use that as well yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so yeah so i decided to um so you've gone like middle eastern roots middle eastern, so you've got yeah. a dukkha which is a condiment yeah it's like a like a uh herb spice uh nut sort of mix like different regions have different ones um like i went to jordan a few years ago and theirs was like completely different to what anything that i'd seen before really yeah it was mad had um loads of sesame seeds was spicy and wasn't as rough it was quite well blended in a lot of places um but it's kind of like that thing in the table where it's everywhere it's always on the table with um zatar as well and people just put it on literally everything so with yours it's a mix of uh we've got coriander fennel peppercorns sesame seeds cumin and cumin and then hazelnuts provide the nut element it's yeah. really lovely and it's actually a great way just to kind of you can just make it in a little keep it in a little pot yeah i'll keep for keep for ages yeah, yeah. Um, on. and then how did you make the um the pesto well it's kind of a yogurty isn't it it's like yeah a green so basically it's like I, it, the tops are very herbaceous so i basically just used and if you look at the picture they do almost look like dill um yeah. they're like that sort of very I fine it yeah you, you I were like, it on the, dill? Yeah. I know, when i was proofing it i, I figured out i was like that's not carrot top that's dill but actually it's they've yeah. got these lovely little feathery yeah yeah um so yeah like a really green vibrant herbaceous mm-hmm. flavor so um yeah just blended them up with some yogurt lemon juice um yeah, and a little bit of dill just to help it along. And it gives it a beautiful, vibrant green as well, yeah, doesn't it? So when you drizzle so. it over to finish, it's actually quite a show-offy dish for what's a humble... I love carrots, though, and the yeah. thing about them is the natural sweetness when you roast them just comes out. Yeah, definitely. I've seen quite a few people um, doing barbecue Barbecued, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> this year's top, top veg... Forget about kale... Get your carrots on yeah, the barbie. Good carrots, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and make um, make this little ducker and um, yogurt to go with. Yeah, because you could you could you could blend that. You could make your ducker and your herb uh, dressing before, and then yeah. just you know a barbecue, chuck them on the barbecue. Chuck it on there. Yeah, cool. That'd be cool. And then let's talk about the chicken because we love chicken. Everyone loves chicken. I I had roast chicken at the weekend, and even though I probably will eat more of the chicken than most people, um, you were kind of. I think your viewpoint was how can we how can we like make every single part brilliant in this yeah. and like take it and make the best of it. Yeah, so I basically wanted to so basically this is like almost like the nose to tail well obviously not nose to tail yeah. but um sort of yeah utilizing all of it in one dish that wasn't just a roast chicken. Yeah. So um although you do pretty much do roast it in several yeah. ways but <laughs> so um 
you yeah you so you take off the so what's the dish name of the so dish it's a whole chicken shoyu ramen yeah. so uh, a shoyu ramen is like a soy based as opposed okay. to like a fatty pork based yeah, one yeah, so it's yeah. a little bit lighter yeah. it's a bit um cleaner um it's a weekend project isn't it <laughs> um yes i mean it it, it, it took me well yeah it takes a good few hours basically yeah. there's <laughs> no, no but it's no good though because i i would say like in olive for the most part our recipes are really um although they're like f- flavor packed and clever and inventive we don't really do the like three-day project recipes and this isn't a three-day project but it's you know you have to spend a little bit of time doing it and that's nice it's kind of respectful to the the bird as well it, it completely but also it, it might say you know it takes five hours but actually when you're roasting the chicken bones yeah you can go off and do something for an hour come yeah. back you know set a timer come back and yeah. then when you put everything in to make the stock to simmer for a couple of hours you can go out yeah. off out do whatever because it's it's not going to go wrong it's just three liters of water with some chicken bones in it and some other stuff so talk us through the process of how you put it together because it's quite interesting as well yeah so basically you so you basically joint well you take the legs off the chicken um, yeah always set them aside yeah um and then take the breasts off yeah put them aside so the bit there's a bit of butchery yeah a bit which of butchery. i believe is up online with yeah you. we have a video of me um, butchering a chicken yeah which was interesting well jointing a chicken because butchery <laughs> kind yeah, of suggests that we've just dispatched a yeah. chicken we did unfortunately it. yeah i went out to um the chicken was already prepared it was and, yeah. and adam's jointing it so basically i believe taken, it had been dispatched yeah. as the same <laughs> taking the legs off taking the breasts off and then uh you take the skin off the breast and put that to one side yeah. um and then you so you wrap your breast put them in the fridge because you don't need them until later um and then you uh roast your carcass uh your legs and the skin mm. so the skin's crisp once that's crisp put it to one side and then um the legs put to one side the carcass put into a stock pot to make like a nice right brown oh, chicken and, and you've already roasted it so you get all that lovely yes yeah, so you get it. all that flavor all that deep flavor um and then you pick all the chicken uh, like the leg meat off the chicken legs legs yeah uh, <laughs> uh, just um put that to one side and then you can put those the leg bones into the stock oh, right, cool. um, with like some shiitake mushrooms and all that sort of so good. you're making like that really deep savory stock exactly that, that's um, a backbone of your ramen yeah so yeah the stock's like all important so yep. that's that's the best bit really this thing it brings it all together um and then you'll the like a bit later on you um mix that picked leg meat with uh miso and then you fry that at the end so you've got like this nice. crispy umami bomb thing that just goes yeah. in the middle and sort of stir it through um, and it sort of acts a little bit like uh, like a tonkotsu like the pork fat so it just adds that sort uh, of yeah. richness at the end that the pork fat sort of does that like coats your mouth a little yeah. bit and adds a bit of and richness and it's quite soft the meat isn't it yeah. so it sort of melds in a bit with the stock yeah, as well exactly. lovely um and then uh, the breast you poach in your stock at the end and then slice and add that on top. Yeah. Um, and then you serve it with a shard of chicken skin and with an egg. So it's basically like the chicken and the egg. Yeah. Sweet corn, <laughs> which is what they eat, I think. Is, is that why the sweet corn went in there? Yeah, why not? It's quite pretty, actually. Yeah, so like, you know. I, lo- I, I have to say, like, I love... I roasted chicken at the weekend and I was... I love the skin and I love the idea of... Um, I think Max did it in his Christmas sandwich as well taking the chicken or turkey skin and then re-cooking it so it just goes yeah, super, definitely. super crisp. And it Shots. is like a shard, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's like glass. By yeah. the end, you can see through it. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the amount of, like, sort of flavour and salt and fat that's in that is yeah. just... Um, my mouth is watering just mm, thinking about it's it. It's just before lunch for us, so, yeah, but I'm starving. But that is an incredible and seriously worth doing. If you're, 
If you're looking for something where, you know, it's not going to completely do your head in, but um, if you follow it, it will work and yeah. your friends will love you. So Definitely. And, and it, it says five hours, but... You know, three hours of that, you can, you're just putting something it's on. It's like a pottering going, five hours, yeah, isn't it? exactly. It's only like the last half an hour when you have a little bit of more m- m- mayhem. <laughs> Rob yeah. and mayhem. Rob and mayhem, yeah. <laughs> cool. And then um, last but not least, you. I was surprised when you said that the thing that people throw away most is um, bananas. Yeah, and milk. It's like two household things oh, that yeah. um, it's really always like half a, half a carton yeah. of milk or like a couple of bananas from a pack that have yeah. just gone over, you know, and people are like, oh, a bit soft or... Do you not find that sometimes bananas go from green to black yeah. overnight? Yeah. Like you literally be like waiting for the perfect ripeness and then... It's gone. And then suddenly yeah, it's, gone. it's gone down the road. No, of, no, no, exactly what black. you mean. Yeah. Those bananas are perfect for this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this is kind of like the other um, angle that I approached the waste from. So this is um, just the actual whole product being yeah. wasted as like as an excess sort of thing, you know? You buy six bananas, mm. but actually they only eat four, like four only get eaten during the week and then yeah. you've got like two or that half carton of milk that you sort of always end up throwing out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I wanted to utilise them. So I did sort of like a basic... Uh, so I roasted the bananas in... Um, just made like a caramel, then roasted it. Nice. Uh, and then made a caramel... Took the bananas out, made like a caramel um, sauce with some butter and uh, double cream. Um, and then just make like a, like a normal custard with milk and yeah. using condensed milk to sort of uh, like stabilise. Yeah, yeah and, and, and enrich it. Um, yeah, churned that with a blend of the bananas, churned it with the milk, and then sort of... Um, swirled the caramel yeah. sauce through it and it's quite i mean it is quite simple really once you put it all together isn't yeah it? yeah and then that will keep in your freezer forever because i think that's the other thing that i do a lot with bananas is as soon as i start seeing them on the turn i just chop them up and put them in the freezer for smoothies, smoothies. or yeah give them to my dog because he likes eating a frozen Fair. banana bit Why not? it's good <laughs> for them it's good for them and they love it um but yeah because bananas are one of the things i think just was going to talk briefly about um because you've got another thing in the issue um which is a pavlova recipe and it made me think oh so that's great for your frozen because we always say like freeze your egg whites yeah. and, and um, i never used to do it but i do now and um and actually what freezing the egg whites does is it kind of slightly starts breaking, breaking it, down, it down so yeah. you can whip your meringue up quite easily from yeah. from frozen whites mm-hmm. it does work yeah, yeah definitely my mum would absolutely swear by that yeah yeah she's always like oh she's always like looking forward to doing something she's like oh that'll make up eight egg whites which i can make this yeah. bad, like, uh, like classic <laughs> so she's she's my hero white. she's yeah, my yeah. freezer hero yeah because yeah. um i think in cooking as well we talked a lot about um how you know your freezer should be just an extension of your store cupboard and like just yeah, definitely think of it like that you know don't don't chuck stuff away if you've got um if you had leftover carrots, like maybe cut them down into manageable size, put them in a bag, and next time you've got you're doing a stew or something, you can just add those carrots yeah. straight into it, and you, you're not thinking, oh, I've got these carrots, but they're they're whole and they're frozen, and I can't be bothered to wait for them to defrost. I think mm-hmm. that's the is make make it as convenient for yourself before you start, and then like Definitely. cutting the bananas up into yeah, little yeah. chunks, then you can just shove them straight in the smoothies. Yeah. Whereas you freeze your bananas whole. Yeah. The it's, more the more it's more likely just going to be a stopgap on the way to the bin yeah yeah yeah. but um but yeah so great ideas for um for waste in this issue um Mm -hmm. so that's june issue which is out right now please go get it um go check out adam's um 
Joint in a Chicken on video on YouTube and on our olivemagazine.com mm. as well. And yeah. go make that crazy Please ramen. make the ramen because it is lovely. All right. Thanks very much, Adam. See you later. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. For more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. And you can pick up a copy of our brand new June issue now or go download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.